This is Mark Halleck, and welcome to the Leading Church Revitalization Podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage and equip you for the work of leading church revitalization in your context. I really hope and pray you will be helped and you'll be encouraged and you might even be a little bit inspired in our time together. Because here's the truth, there's a lot of churches people have given up on that God is just not done with. So thanks for coming by and let's link arms together to replant and revitalize churches for the glory of God and for our joy in Him. Well, today we're continuing to talk about the importance of prayer in church revitalization, and we're considering 12 ways to pray as church replanters and revitalizers. Last week, we looked at four of these. The first was pray that you will keep your eyes on God. Number two, pray for courage and boldness. Number three, pray for humility. And number four, pray that you will rely on the Lord's strength. So let's pick things up with number five, which is pray for love in leading God's people. What do our people need more than anything else from us? They need love. They need to know we care about them deeply. They need to hear it and see it and feel it. Do they know that we love them? Do we tell them? Do we show them? Do they hear it? Do they feel safe with us? Do they know we care deeply? So we pray, Lord, fill me with your love for your people. Empower me to joyfully and sacrificially love your sons and daughters that are under my care. Here's number six. Pray for the health of your wife, marriage, and family. If we aren't doing the job we need to do at home to shepherd our wives and our families, then we've got no business shepherding the flock of God. That's a hard truth, but the scriptures are clear on this issue. See 1 Timothy 3.5. If we're going to be the pastors and leaders that God has called us to be in the church, we must understand the seriousness of this. Lord, help me to do whatever it takes to love my wife, to love my kids, to lead and shepherd my family well by your power. May this increasingly be my number one priority and passion in life. We need to pray prayers like this all the time. Specifically, we must be committed to pray for our wives' relationship with the Lord. There's nothing worse for a pastor than when your wife is not growing in the Lord. It's hard on you. It's hard on her. It's hard on your family. In contrast, when your wife is growing in the Lord, it brings joy. This is what we want for her, and this is what we want for our family. We must do whatever it takes to help our wives, as well as our kids, grow closer to Jesus. And we must pray for this daily. Number seven, pray that you will walk worthy of your calling. Paul's words in Colossians 1, 9, and 10 are profound when he writes this, We haven't stopped praying for you so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. As pastors, if if we're honest, It is far too easy to put things on autopilot and go through the motions while being spiritually dry. 
We must not forget that the Lord himself has called us to this supernatural work of pastoral ministry. The Lord has chosen us for this calling. Think about that. The Lord's chosen you for this calling. And so humbly we ask, oh God, by your grace, help us to walk worthy of this calling in your power by your spirit. Here's number eight. Pray that you will preach God's word and the gospel boldly. The gospel message, if we are preaching it faithfully, is offensive. Of course, we seek to preach the truth of the gospel in love, but at the end of the day, we must recognize that the gospel offends. Yet it is that very gospel that also takes dead people and makes them alive, that makes the spiritually blind to see, that gives the hopeless hope. It's that same gospel that saved you and saved me by God's mercy and grace. And so we pray, Lord, give us boldness in the pulpit. In the face of challenges in our culture and in the face of challenges in our church, help me to be bold. Help me to be clear in my preaching of your word, because your word is what changes people's hearts. Listen, may we echo the request of Paul, who wrote from a prison cell in Ephesians 6.19. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Number nine, pray for God to destroy idols of the heart. John Calvin famously wrote, our hearts are idol-making factories. It's true. We are quick to worship things other than God. We set up idols in our hearts in place of Jesus, even though these things never satisfy. Ray Ortland describes it this way. He says, the bottom line is that if Jesus Christ is not the life-giving center of our hearts, then our hearts are being penetrated by and invaded by life-robbing idols. Anything and everything you are trying to build your life on that is not Christ is an idol, demanding your all, but giving nothing in return. If you obey it, it will break its promises. If you fail to obey it, it will punish you. Here's the point. Our problem is our falsely believing anything other than Jesus will satisfy our souls. Man, Ray Ortland is so right. And so we must pray that God will destroy idols in our hearts and in the hearts of our people. Each of us need the Lord's help to identify the things we are worshiping instead of Jesus and ask God to destroy these idols in our hearts through prayer. The Word and the Spirit of God. It's these idols that often hijack our growth in holiness and sanctification. This is true in our hearts as pastors, and it's true in the hearts of the people in our congregations. Number 10, pray for sacrificial love for others and God-honoring unity. Listen, unity. Unity in church revitalization is absolutely critical if we are going to do what it takes to lead this church back to life. Listen, it's critical to do whatever it takes to pursue unity in your church. We must do this because there's nothing more powerful and God-glorifying than a church that is unified in love, being led by the Spirit of God. I'm convinced of that. Only God in His power can make this happen. Of course, Satan hates unity and seeks to bring division whenever and however he can. And so as a result, we must fight for unity. 
And the most effective way to fight is on our knees in prayer. Number 11, pray for courage and conviction to reach the lost. Sadly, for many pastors, the longer they serve in the church, the easier it gets to become numb to those who are far from Christ. It is easy to become desensitized to the reality that those who don't know Jesus are on their way to an eternity spent separated from him. This should break our hearts. And so we plead in prayer, oh God, break our hearts over the reality that there are many, many people who don't know you. Please break our hearts. Help me to do whatever it takes. Help our church do whatever it takes to reach them with the gospel. Let's pray fervently, oh Lord, make our hearts sensitive to those far from you. May the reality of knowing they will spend an eternity in hell if they do not come to know Christ break our hearts and move us to action. Of course, this is a huge challenge, which is why only prayer can make it happen. Only prayer can change our hearts and move us out on mission. We can preach and instruct about why we need to evangelize and why we need to reach the lost, but I'm convinced that it's only through prayer that a heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. See Ezekiel 36, 26. And that's what has to happen in and through our churches. Not only must my heart as a pastor break for the lost, but the hearts of the people sitting in my congregation must break as well. Only then will we be willing to do whatever it takes to actually reach non-believers with the gospel. Not, not until that happens will we be willing to lay down our preferences and, and our opinions and And the things that we love most, that we hold dear, our traditions, whatever it might be that we often see in declining churches, only when our hearts break for the lost will we be willing to surrender those things and say, God, reaching the lost in this community is more important than me holding on to my preferences. And of course, we need God to do this work in every one of us. And so we pray, oh Lord, move in power, help us to be outward focused, not inward focused. Make us a people who are eager to lay down our preferences for the sake of those who do not yet know you. Finally, number 12, pray for disciple-making in and through your church. We have been called by Jesus to go show and tell the gospel boldly, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. See Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This means we're not interested in just making a few disciples and revitalizing one declining church. We want to see, by God's grace, a mass movement of God revitalizing hundreds and thousands of churches for His glory. Churches where the lost are being saved and disciples are being made. As we pray for the lost to come to Christ, we pray they would see they have been called to be disciple makers themselves. We pray they would see that as Christ followers, they have been sent out on mission and and what a joy it is. This is what our cities need. It's what our country needs. It's what our world needs. And so let us fervently pray that the Lord would make this happen so that his fame will spread to the ends of the earth. Well, in light of those 12 ways we can pray, I want to get practical for just a few moments, and I want to offer three ways that you can mobilize your church to pray. Number one, create easy ways for people to share prayer requests 
with one another. Your congregation may already have a good system for doing this, but many churches don't. In order to become a congregation where people are praying for one another regularly, they need to know what to pray for. They need to know how they can be praying, and they need to be encouraged by the pastor and other leaders to do so. Good communication is key in this. There are, of course, many different ways that you can do this effectively. You may want to have a prayer request card that's handed out each week in your worship gathering that folks can fill out and turn in. You might create a page on your website that's easy to access, which lists different ways to pray. You might create a prayer wall at the church where individuals can regularly post different prayer requests for others to see. People can check this prayer wall uh, whenever they're at the church to stay up to speed on what they should be praying for. It might be that your Sunday school classes or small groups are the best place to gather specific prayer requests. These can then be distributed to the congregation so they can be prayed for throughout the week. Of course, be mindful of confidentiality issues. Make sure individuals can somehow indicate whether their prayer requests can be shared with the entire church or just the pastors and other leaders. However you choose to do it, develop a simple and clear system for your people to share and respond to prayer requests of the church. Here's number two, set aside time each week for you and your leaders to pray together. Depending on the size of the church you are leading, this could be your other pastors, your deacons, your church staff, or if you are the lone pastor, it could be a group of invested volunteers and leaders that you ask to join you each week for the sole purpose of praying together. This weekly prayer time can look a lot of different ways. You may choose to gather in the evening, some weeknight, or perhaps it's better to meet in the morning or the noon hour. You could meet at the church or in someone's home. Whatever it looks like, the goal is to get together on a regular basis, preferably weekly, to pray for your congregation, your community, and the world. The bottom line is this. If your church is to become a praying church, it will begin with praying leaders. That's where it always starts. Don't just talk about the importance of prayer. Actually pray. Make it a top priority. And then number three, launch a congregational prayer meeting. Sadly, I've noticed that in many church revitalization efforts, one of the first changes made is getting rid of the prayer meeting, if one exists. This is one of the most unwise and unbiblical things a shepherd pastor can do. In our dying churches, we need God to move. We need him to bring this church back to life. Well, according to scripture, God moves in amazing ways in response to our humble, heartfelt prayers. While we might be able to come up with a host of reasons not to have a prayer meeting, I believe there's something very powerful about setting a designated time aside for the congregation to come together before the Lord just to seek his face in prayer, to say, Lord, we are here and we are yours. Have your way with us. This is your church, not ours. And so God, may your will be done in and through us for your glory. Depending on your particular congregation, you may choose to have this prayer meeting on a weekly basis, or maybe it works best to meet bi-weekly or even once a month. Perhaps for different reasons, it's difficult for people to gather at the church physically for this prayer meeting. And so hosting it online is a more effective way to go. Whatever it might look like, however it might look, what is most important is designating a regularly scheduled time for your congregation to pray, to gather and call out to the Lord together as a church family, to pray for your congregation, for the lost in your community, 
for your families, for missionaries you support, for the poor, for the hurting, for the broken. Listen, even if it's just you and a handful of others who show up at first, you're making a statement. You're showing the prayer will indeed be a top priority for this congregation, and you will lead the way in this. Of course, there are countless other strategies you can implement to help your church grow in prayer for and with one another. But I offer these three to at least help you get started on the journey. I visited with with far too many revitalizers who talk a big game when it comes to prioritizing prayer in their congregations, only to fail when it comes to effective implementation. I know this because I've been one of them. And so all of this to say, I want to encourage you, if you haven't started yet, start to really be intentional about mobilizing your people to pray. Lead the way, seek the Lord, enjoy prayer. Man, we need far more prayer in our life, and so do our people. And so let's make it a top priority. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Hey, as you continue to grow, I want to point you in the direction of a book called Leading Church Revitalization. This entire podcast is really built on and based on that book. You can pick it up at Amazon.com today. Also, check out AcomaPress.org. Press is committed to putting out resources to help encourage and equip you as a revitalizer or a replanter. It's also very committed to help equip congregations that are struggling and facing serious decline. And one last thing, I would love to stay in touch with you. So let's connect on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Any way I can serve you, I would love to do that. Man, I can't wait till we're together next time. Thanks so much for stopping by. God bless you all.